This week on a lively experiment, a city council vote clears the way for the Fane Tower to be built. And will Hasbro pull out of Pawtucket? What can or should be done to convince them to stay? A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazenwhite, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us this week, Ed Acorn, editorial page editor for the Providence Journal. Donna Perry, public affairs officer for the Rhode Island Society of CPAs. And Democratic strategist, Rob Horowitz. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jim Hummel. We appreciate you spending part of your weekend with us. Well, we have a brand new set here at Lively. It's been a year in the making, and we hope you like it. You may also notice we have three panelists this week instead of four. We believe a smaller panel will make for a better discussion. What won't change? The Lively exchange of ideas every week on the issues facing Rhode Island. So, Let's get into it. Ed Acorn, there was a big vote last night on the Fane Tower. The city council overrode the mayor's veto. You've been editorializing on this a lot. Um, there's still a bunch of hurdles, though, sure. to get to the shovel in the ground. That's right. There's, there's more hurdles, but this was a great uh, vote for, uh, for Rhode Island and for Providence. I think there's going to be all sorts of tax revenues from this. We're going to bring in uh, hundreds of... Uh, uh, well-to-do residents into the downtown, and I think it's just a, a home run for the city of Providence. What about the devil's advocate argument? You had a lot of people, I understand, with the Preservation Society, and there was some uh, people anti about spot zoning. This isn't really what 195 was meant for. What, When people ask you about your support for this, what, how do you answer them? Well, the... Uh, the 195 land was designed for economic development, and that's what this is. It's very close to the uh, downtown skyscrapers. Um, there's, there's no reason, I think, to be uh, opposed to this kind of building. And it's, uh, I know some people don't like the design that's part of it, and, uh, but it's a modern design. These are, I think this is an excellent developer. His, his development in Toronto is terrific. So I think this is a real plus for Providence. You know, so they overrode the mayor, but I think there's no secret that, you know, there is not, certainly the mayor is not in support of this. Um, and I think they, as you indicated, though, they have a long road to go. Now there's new lawsuits coming up, or they're, they're going to try to block it. The preservationists don't like it. Um, and when you have a sitting mayor really doesn't want this project, or at least at the scale of it, um, I think, yes, they've had the vote, but boy, that's just one step. What it, struck me was yeah. the mayor put out a statement afterwards. He said, as a city, we will not bend to the wishes of multimillionaires who seek to change the rules for their own benefits, who seek to take advantage of every subsidy and benefit they can grab, and yet who fail to consider the interest of the local community. I, I kind of wonder what city he's talking about. I, I, and full disclosure, the mayor's a former client of mine. I, I worked on his racist. I appreciate that disclosure. That being said, I was puzzled by the statement since uh, his public position was unwilling to um, go you. along with the project, but I want a few, um, I think, reasonable kind of givebacks and, so, and input on the design. Strikes me to, to, to build on Donna's point, and, and, and I think this is a good thing for Rhode Island. I think, candidly, the benefits are a bit overstated, um, but, but I, I do think it's a good thing for Rhode Island. The, the more important piece of the economic development for Rhode Island is, is the commercial piece there. 
in the uh, in the 195 land that brings in biotech and things like that. Having having said that, I think there is room now for, for and be smarter the developer to not run a, do a victory lap, to look for some meaningful compromises to smooth the path, and in, and most big projects like this. That, that, that go on in cities all over the country, especially because there's going to be a fair amount of um, tax, understandable tax stability, et cetera. There usually are some community you know, give backs, community gets, gets something. It's, I think it's in his long-term interest to, uh, to understand the political tea leaves here and give a little bit. Um, I, I think it'll, it'll make the whole thing go. This is a mayor who also goes to the state house every year wanting more money. Yes. The Speaker and the Senate President basically threatened, if you, if you don't go along with this, we may do it for you. The other thing that struck me was he said every responsible expert has indicated that this project is not financially viable and will fail under its own weight. Why would a guy put in $300 million? Right. I don't get that. The marketplace will decide whether but, it's going to fail, whether he can get financing to build this. But, but to that point, Ed, something that I, and I don't often agree with the lawyers, but what I do question uh, the point of the marketplace. You know, the marketplace and the data to show, now are these going to be ownership units? Are they going to be rent? There's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of evidence that Providence maybe can or cannot support. I don't know how many units are supposed to be in the building. I don't even know. But why would he come in if he didn't think it was right. going to be sustainable? And don't you think if the, it changes, the, uh, the, the recession comes that everybody's talking well, about, he might pull back? Well, big developers, you know, they don't work for charity. And they, you know, they're... I think you're going to have to drill down a little bit of what is he expecting in Providence. And, you know, there's a big subsidy package that goes around a lot of this stuff. Um, I think something that Rob was saying, something that has troubled me, not just against, you know, Mr. Fain and the project. I think what troubles me, we are a decade in, and it often seems the 195 Commission, it's, it's sort of like they're like a little lost child, and someone comes from the outside and says, Oh, we would like to. You know, where is the roadmap from Rhode Island? Where is the roadmap of we're going after this industry, we're putting this in? When you're up in Boston, they dictate the roadmap. They're not waiting for, oh, some guy, you know, from Texas is coming along with a lot of bucks. So I, I just, the whole thing has troubled me because that's, it's residential. That's not jobs except for the construction industry. Then when it's done, it's done. But in terms of the design, everybody cool? With it, um, I, I don't love it, but I, I think the design's fine, actually. And, and I do like the idea of more bigger buildings of promise. And I, and I, there's no way to gauge completely the marketplace. I think the big point here is is the developer is is putting his 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 money at risk. He wouldn't do that without without um, some good idea of the marketplace. And two is there is a demand for people going back to downtowns, and and it doesn't just have to be a local demand. And Providence is an appealing place to live, and and you and you do need more housing. So I don't have an issue with that, with that. At all, I do think as as the developer proceeds, in a way, Lourdes is politically not in bad shape here because everyone's been a bit heavy-handed and publicly heavy-handed. It's not bad for him to be standing up to the Senate President and the House Speaker, but um, for everyone's sake, there should be a because um, I think you know this is going to probably go through there, it now. There's no um, one standing in line to spend three hundred million dollars in right. in uh, Providence, right. so you know we're not Boston. We have to be more welcoming mm -hmm. to development. And we have to build that kind of thing Boston has, which is uh, you know, generating a lot of ec economic activity. You wonder, though, if at the end, just last point here and then we'll move on, you wonder at some point, 
when Jason Fain was going to take his marbles and go back to Toronto, right? I mean, right. You, he's pushing, 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 and how much resistance? So we'll see if the lawsuit and they right. continue to put up stuff. It's still not a done deal right? for that reason. All right, big news out of Warwick, continuing news this week. Um, the Warwick firefighters and the city had a so-called side deal that is all be, being revealed, actually, by Mark Reynolds from the Journal. It, this is just stunning. You know, Mayor Avedesian, former Mayor Avedesian, is involved. In effect, they did an end run around the city council, signed an agreement that now we see is causing uh, a lot of uh, angst. I, I look at this and I wonder, how does this happen? But I also think, where else is this happening, right? Well, um First, Warwick and beyond Warwick, when you look at other communities, uh, East Greenwich uh, has had their run with this. Uh, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of evidence that people like Ken Block and, and Rob Cody have pulled up that R- Rhode Island's local firefighter departments, first of all, do a lot of things that you don't find elsewhere. Uh, but to this point, and when the FBI, there's evidence this week, you know, no one can confirm it. They may be looking at this. You have a very big forensic audit going on that the count, this, this city council, I give them credit, they asked for that. Uh, it would appear that that audit, and uh, that's a very, you know, credible CPA firm, they have a lot of material to work with is what I think is, is appearing here. And I think some of the things that jumped out to me and with the great reporting, the Providence Journal and Warwick Beacon followed up on that, you know, when you look at things like, in this day and age, pencil and paper is being used for <laughs> payroll yeah. for two, I mean, I'm with sorry. With erasures, yeah. yeah with, with erasures. I yeah. mean, this is like, you know, central casting, bring in the fraudulent scheme, isn't it? I, I mean, wonder if you're advising the mayor. It, it seems that he's kind of doesn't seem, Joe Solomon, a nice guy, but seems to be kind of not ahead of the curve. This is not his issue, it seems to me. It would seem that you would say, look, let me get on top of this. Let's get people in here. Uh, I don't know about the backsplash, but I don't know what you would advise him. Oh, I I would advise him to be very aggressive. I think he's been fairly aggressive. Mm -hmm. You you folks probably have a better sense of it than me. And and do a complete full-scale investigation, invite everybody in. Because you're right, it didn't happen on his watch. And actually on the council, it appears as if he actually had said some of the right things about this even early on. So I, I would, yeah, and, and you need to get to the bottom of it to restore public trust. you got to have a system that protects the public, and that's the reason these, these uh, contracts go before the city council, so that there's at least some level of public uh, examination of these contracts. And the public can't keep up with these. Right. It's, it's an insider's game. It looks like the city council couldn't keep up right. with it either. Right. I mean, right. these are the people, and I think what the most concerning thing for me is, you agree to something, and then something gets changed. And, look, they get deluged with paper. I mean, I, I'm not absolving the city council, but they, you trust that somebody's giving you the agreement that you agree to, and, right? And, Jim, it's intentional, okay? No, no one is better at this, I'm sorry, than the unions. It's intentional. You know, there's, there's just a clutter of information and side deals and clauses and then, you know, this and that. And, and so it's very intentional. When, you, it is, when they talk about a Reichelt statute maybe in play here, I don't think any of us should be surprised. I mean, it's public money that it, they are beyond the point where they seem to understand that. Well, it's federal money, which is why the feds right. get involved. Right, uh, absolutely. And this idea that you're monetizing, you know, unused sick days and vacation days, you, again, you don't find that in other states. That's ridiculous. It's a kind of a Rhode Island specialty. And, you know, it's time that it really be looked at. I mean, I think uh, one last point on this. Um, 
I have found the very little, you know, quotes you can get from the former mayor who was there for a very long time and everyone, you know, very fond of Mayor Avedesian. I, I think in his position I wouldn't be saying anything and I found it troubling, frankly. He did say to a reporter or to... Um, don't talk to Peter Ruggiero. Well, yeah, well, he was saying that, but he also did say, well, I don't think anything would have been meant as, excuse me, <laughs> Maybe the feds are going to find a different story there. And if I was Avedesian, I wouldn't. I would not be weighing in and defending anybody right now. All right, that's your advice for the mayor. We shall see. Yeah, uh, the fallout continues from the rye cast testing. Uh, Ed, you've been popping multiple gaskets on this. It, there seems to be kind of a blasé <laughs> attitude that oh, we need oh, to yeah. do better and all of that. You've called for the resignation of of. Uh, a lot of people. Well, I've asked why they haven't resigned. You know, if yeah. if I had these kind of numbers, I would be resigning. I would expect the governor to be coming out and announcing these numbers and e explaining what's what's wrong with them, what we're going to do about them. These these are yeah. disastrous numbers. Mm -hmm. If Rhode Island was a district in Massachusetts, it would be in the bottom 10% of Massachusetts districts. That's shameful. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks, Donna. You try to attract people to Rhode Island. Right. Not necessarily that the Fane Tower is the, the kids in school crowd, but all of the things we talk about, you know, the workers' comp they reorganized and, and the high cost of doing business. Isn't education the most basic to try I, I, to lure somebody to your state? Well, absolutely, and that's why the governor's, you know, she's got her talking points down all the time. Yes. Yes, jobs, but you know they, they need to be jobs for middle class Rhode Islanders, kids who actually you know are from the state, live in these communities, come up the ranks. And I think they're further behind than they know. And I think it's shameful to have a state like this. You're, you're ranking closer to Alabama than Massachusetts. You know, you're in the Northeast. And just just quickly to your point, I do want to echo that. I mean, I think uh, if there's a truth about Rhode Island, there's one truth. They resist reformers. Reformers are not welcome here. You had a reformer, uh, education commissioner, and they ran her out of town on a rail. These are the things she talked about 10 years ago. The government, the governor, now has, it, she, look, she's done with the election, so now yeah. she can kind of bear down, not worry about the political influences. Yes, and, and um, I think Ed's done a great job on, on highlighting the importance of this issue. And so it's also, as, as he's argued in his editorials, a civil rights issue, mm -hmm. because the, the um, if we're going to realize the promise of equality of opportunity, we have to pr provide quality education for all Rhode Islanders, and the scores are inexcusable. Um, we, s we spend a lot of money on education, so the answer isn't just money. I think we're in the top, teachers are in the top seven or eight of, on salaries, um, and it's a critical issue for economic development for the state because it's still the number one reason why businesses locate is still quality of workforce. And it seems to me that the whole political class has a, has a way to insulate all the political downsides, which is say, we should do what Massachusetts does. And, and when someone says, well, we, we can't have a test for high school graduation because of A and B reasons, say, well, Massachusetts did it. Look where they are, look where we, where we are. So if everyone's sort of, this is, this is a time for the political class, Democratic, Republican, everyone to get together and just say, hey, we're, we're going to all take the political bullets. We've got to do this. Well, I know, um, I know we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, and I wonder as the dust begins to settle, we should have been starting this 10 years ago. What would your suggestion be? I mean, I know you'd like to clean house, but you can't. You've got to start somewhere. What are the basic things that you would like to see done? Well, you've got to set real tough standards and stick to them. That's what Massachusetts did. Uh, for 20, 25 years. And the MCAS, there was a howl when it first came sure. out, right? 
I will give you a basic example. And you're right, there's, there's tons of things and we don't have the time. A basic example, uh, and I remember when GIST wanted more frequent uh, assessments, annual assessments of teachers. Massachusetts, there are very few teachers who are not, do not undergo an annual assessment. It is not insulting, it is not degrading, it doesn't have to be that time consuming. And they know it's coming. And they know it's coming and it's part of being sure that your competency is matching what the material is dictating. Uh, in Rhode Island, I remember when she, when she you know, that those were, that was like treason, you know, and, and excuse me, the leadership of the teachers unions and how they bullied Deborah Gist really um, was shameful. And, but the result is you're failing these kids. You just, you just simply are. But you need gubernatorial leadership because any education commission is only going to be as powerful as, yeah. as, as the political backup. And, and there were a couple of things we're doing well um, that we should continue to do, which is, which is fun, fun pre-K, fun full-day K, because all the research shows one of our issues here, it's not the only one, and it's not an, it's not an all-purpose get-out-of-jail-free card, is um, kids from disadvantaged backgrounds start out behind in kindergarten on reading and math, and it's hard to catch up. So that, that's one thing we're doing well. But we really need to employ standards and stick to them. And quality of teachers and quality of principals, if you look at where schools succeed around the country, that's, that's key. And, our, and there's a lot of good teachers, a lot of good principals, but if you just look at Rhode Island relative to states that are doing well, the quality is not there I think across the, bu the board. The bullying school union, teacher unions are part of the problem in the state. In Massachusetts, they have very strong teachers unions, but they understand this is about educating kids. Here they don't. All right. Uh, the hits keep coming for the city of Pawtucket after the Paw Sox and uh, Memorial Hospital closing down. Now word is that Hasbro, a longtime fixture there, is thinking about uh, maybe relocating its corporate headquarters. we got to worry about Rhode Island in general. I know Mayor Grebian is concerned about Pawtucket. Donna, this is just, it's a tough blow. You know, the governor, and I think rightly so, has tried to attract new business. In politics, he call it shoring up your base. And so I know she's very close with yeah. the CEO, Brian Goldman, there. But you wonder at this point is the writing on the wall and the toothpaste has already gone out of the tube, right? And I, I sort of feel that unfortunately this is another example where, you know, they're putting a lot of passion and I, and, and I feel like there's a lot of public theater going on right now, you know, these showy meetings and, oh, we're, we're on this and we're, you know, I, I don't know that a, a global firm of Hasbro's scale, which does billions in revenue, number one, I would. I don't know that the taxpayer needs to help them find their their next sort of route. I would say that, and um, and I just think that Goldner himself has voiced in you know a local interview. This is not about oh we're if I'm putting a building on a certain avenue. You know this is not 1978. You know they're trying to become, as far as I can see, a digital entertainment company. Yes, you know they're getting away from the retail piece where their their toys were sold, etc. So. I don't, I think whether it's Pawtucket or Providence, it may not be Rhode Island, and I think he's very politely, but he's, you know, astute, and he knows the landscape. He said we're in 40 well, places all across yeah, the country, like we got shareholders. He's not from Rhode Island. I mean, it's one generation now, the Hassenfelds have kind of moved yeah. on, although Alan Hassenfeld, you know, is on the board. This guy's from New York, so... It would be great to keep them in Rhode Island somewhere. Uh, they obviously need a new corporate campus. Yeah. Um, they're not happy with the situation in Pawtucket, and they're trying to attract... Going their, to Slater Mill for lunch isn't doing well, it for you? they're trying to attract, you know, sort of young, creative, uh, brainy uh, people to work for their company, and so they need a, a different kind of setting for that. 
And I think uh, Rhode Island can offer that kind of setting. And I, I don't, I don't view it as just showy that the uh, all the leaders met together uh, this week on this issue. I think it's it's important for them. What do you make of the fact the they left Don Grebian out of the meeting? Do you read anything into that? Well, I think that's a wise thing to do because the issue is keeping Hasbro in Rhode yeah, Island, not necessarily the target. Yes, and and. Um, if we're going to be in the business of, of attracting corporations and keeping corporations, unfortunately, unless all states unilaterally disarm a piece of the puzzle, I mean, I think Donna's point is well taken. You don't want to just get taken to the you know t- taken to the cleaners on this. But there's going to be some form of incentive package. Otherwise, we might as well not compete. And that was true when GM went to Massachusetts from Connecticut. That that that's just the way. If you're if you're going to be in the economic development game on the state level. There is, there is going to be a level of incentives here. So, and I think some of that is probably positioning for that, but they're also probably looking And nationally. again, this comes, the workforce talent is going to be a very, very big piece of this. And, and tech talent, obviously, that, that's what, where they're headed. And, and so whether you have, you know, to your point, Ed, yeah, it would be great for downtown Providence, which I think would be uh, sort of a, like a higher platform than Pawtucket. Um, that would be great if they can do that because then you can, you can have people who are here you can have them move here they may come providence they may commute from massachusetts you know they live in the fane tower but but i think all these things just quickly i think these things are very connected uh and sometimes my only point is the governor is not as much voicing understanding if you're not raising this really well-trained young education you know piece Okay, if you say, you know, Rhode Island, half of the Rhode Island public school kids and districts, they're trained to work in call centers, okay? They're, they're not trained to be the future tech engineer for Hasbro, and I think that's where they've got to take this seriously. Generally speaking, everybody in this case, well, let's look at our strengths, too. We've got Brown, we've got RISD, we've got a bunch of good colleges, and we can keep some of those folks here, and Hasbro's an attractive uh, place to work. And Hasbro is having the same issues as, as I'm not an expert. This is other toy companies, which is kids aren't buying as many playing as many toys. They're playing online, and exactly. so that's Mattel's loss, like 400, 500. Right, and toys are lost closes, yeah. which is huge. Huge. So, so they're making a transition. I, I think we could meet, meet their needs there. That's obviously going to be their final decision. But it is, you know, it, there is going to be an incentive package, and that's that's unavoidable if you want to keep them. All right. And let's go to uh, outrageous. Do you have an outrageous week? Well, I have a... a Other than Rycast? Well, I have a... That's part of it. But I have an outrage that combines two of our topics, which is Fane and uh, Rycast, which is I've been getting besieged by emails, letters, uh, op-ed pieces, uh, screaming about how this tower might change the skyline of Providence. But none of these Eastsiders seem concerned at all about our education in the mm-hmm. state. I mean, here we have Providence with only 10% of the kids proficient in uh, math. Mm. And it's, it's absurd to be uh, so concerned about a building and so unconcerned yeah. about these kids. These fundamentals. All right. Rob, what do you have? President Trump and the Trump administration has taken their, their uh, climate change denial international, and it's outrageous. At, at the recent meeting, climate summit that, that was going on in Poland, they actually joined um, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and Kuwait in refusing to welcome the International Climate Report, which, which shows that warming is accelerating and we need to act more quickly. And 
And when President Trump talks about his climate denial, it's not like he says, here's the alter, here's the, some scientific facts that, that counter the 97% of scientists that agree about warming. It's not a controversial issue. Um, he just says, I don't believe it. Um, sorry, that's, that's not sufficient, and, and we're now taking the damage we're doing here and doing it internationally, creating room for like the new president of Brazil to, to, and other countries to not chip in. Right. It's outrageous. Um, the, my outrage, the, this is Christmas time, and, and that's always so special, but I don't want this week, this is the anniversary today, or this week is the anniversary of the Sandy Hook massacre. Uh, mm. And I worry, a, a couple quick points on that. We all know what occurred. Um, in our fast-moving headlines, I worry that stories like that and the magnitude of that should not be removed, you know, should not fade away from the headlines and people... You know, you see the coverage becomes less and less every year. And over the past year, to make insult to injury, uh, you know, many of the parents in, and they created a nonprofit and they have Sandy Hook Promise, et cetera, they have really been the subject of a lot of abuse and bullying online because of their gun control positions. Wow. And uh, yeah, and that's really emerged more in 2018. And it is just shameful. And I think as a country, I know we're not, you know, we're not doing gun control as an issue today, but. The fact that another year passes and we have minimal to no real incremental, you know, anything uh, changing. I, we've had a stormy year, a Congress. I'm sure we'll have, we have another one coming up. And I just think it's, you know, we can't forget the magnitude of what that was. Uh, and at this time of year, and I, as a parent, I just think about those, those parents. All right. Thank you. We have, uh, in the remaining time, Rob, let me go back to you because you keep an eye on national politics. It's going to be an interesting dynamic. This has not been an easy week for President Trump. Uh, and I wonder now, as Nancy Pelosi has kind of solidified her leadership again, uh, going into it, they talk about, well, we're going to get into the president's tax returns and we're going to do this. I wonder what your thought is going in. Is it going to be totally contentious or does the president have an opportunity to work with the Democrats for some wins? He has a big opportunity to work with the Democrats, whether he will seize it or is capable of seizing it, I'm not sure. There's, there's room for big compromise on infrastructure. There's a room to do a lot more on opioids. I mean, there, um, and, if, and I'll tell you what would be great for him politically, you could fix Obamacare. You could do a few, cos a few, a few fixes. It's now popular, by the way. Um, but there are things that need to be improved. If, if they went for a fix, which he could have, which there's a majority of votes for, he could look like a hero. Um, clearly, there's, there's an investigative process that's going to unfold. Um, a lot of that's going to be driven by, by the special counsel. If the Democrats are wise, they'll let the special counsel take the lead on that. His tax re returns, given everything, are completely fair game. But, but I think Speaker Pelosi and at least the Democratic leadership is cognizant that they don't want to be looking as if all they're doing is investigating the Trump administration. Um, looks like between the um, Southern District, I mean, of New York and the special counsel, uh, the Trump administration is going to have their hands full on the, on the investigative front no matter what. The Cohen plea didn't look good because um, it put it right at the president's doorstep. So? But Well, but I wonder, I mean, everybody's like, this right. is the beginning of the end of the Trump yeah. administration. I'm not sure. And then, you know, it's a quick two years to election time. Right. I mean, I think this incessant trying to overturn the yeah. 2016 election does not play that well with the public. Didn't play well when Clinton was president, and he was actually engaged in some rather dubious behavior uh, as president. So I, I don't think this is going to help uh, the Democrats a great deal. I think if you look at 
Trump's uh, approval rating. It's sort of where Obama's was at the same point. Uh, Thirty seconds. Really. You, you can't. You can't indict. You can take that after the show. You can't okay. indict a sitting president. And uh, the, for the Democrats, I agree with you, Ed. The only remedy is you got to get your act together for 2020. Sure. Um, Did you want to have the last word on that? Uh, one is Obama's approval rating was significantly better than Trump, <laughs> and, the, and and there's much more strong disapproval of Trump. But remember, the Southern District of New York is, is, is the one. It's not a bunch of Democrats. Bob Mueller's a Republican. There's real issues here. They go well beyond Clinton's issues. I agree we shouldn't overturn the election results. We, sh we should do it in 2020 unless, unless we see anything, um, see anything really dramatic. But, real, but realize also that they just lost the House by 8 million votes nationally. To Trump's not be popular. Continued. All right. To be continued, as we <laughs> like to say. As the lively experiment continues. Folks, thank you for joining us this week. Rob? And Donna and Ed, nice to have you christen the set with us today. And folks, come back here next week. It's always lively, and we'll be back here next week to bring all the latest topics to you as the Lively Experiment continues. Have a great weekend. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by for 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.